Hi, my name is David Elstein, and this is the American Board of Orthopedic Surgery podcast. Each episode is designed to help busy orthopedic surgeons learn more about the ABUS and board certification. This episode is slightly different. It is the audio recording of the webinar on the 2022 ABUS web-based longitudinal assessment, the ABUS WLA. You hear from Dr. David Martin, ABUS Executive Medical Director. More information about the ABUS WLA can be found on www.abus.org. If you enjoy this episode of the American Board of Orthopedic Surgery podcast, please subscribe to us on Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts so you know the next episode is posted. My name is David Martin. I'm the Executive Medical Director at the American Board of Orthopedic Surgery, and I'm joined tonight by David Elstein, our uh, communication specialist, and Kristen Kaba, who's our project specialist specifically for the uh, ABOS web-based longitudinal assessment pathway. And I'd like to welcome you to the ABOS web-based longitudinal assessment pathway webinar. We'll try and go over tonight the things that you need to know to participate in this program. I'd like to start by going over the mission statement of the American Board of Orthopedic Surgery, and that is to ensure the safe, ethical, and effective practice of orthopedic surgery. And to do that, we maintain the highest standards for education, practice, and conduct through examination, certification, and maintenance of certification programs. And we do that all for the benefit of the public. I'd like to first uh, start also by showing you a picture of our board of directors at our recent uh, fall meeting in October of 2021. And I just show you these individuals to let you know that they are an incredibly dedicated group of individuals who are committed to getting our programs right and committed to getting uh, the programs in a streamlined and reduce burden fashion. I also show you this picture to let you know that each of our directors is a practicing orthopedic surgeon. And if you see this picture in red are the initial certification dates and recertification dates of each member of our board of directors. So we are all practicing orthopedic surgeons just like you. By way of an overview of our evening tonight, I'll talk about the ABOS maintenance of certification program just to uh, center you there and let you know where the ABOS WLA pathway fits into that program. And then I'll also talk about specifics of the ABOS WLA pathway and finally, we'll answer your questions. And to answer your questions, uh, if you will raise your hand in Zoom, we will then call on you, unmute you. And at that point, once we answer your question, if you would lower your hand, that will allow uh, other individuals to uh, ask questions. So the ABOS Maintenance of Certification Program. And I know that uh, you've heard a lot about our maintenance of certification program. You may know about our maintenance of certification program. Uh, a lot of people say it's complicated, it's hard to understand. And what I can present to you here 
is the entire program in one slide. And we'll quickly go through it. I think we can get through it in about uh, a minute and 10 seconds. Basically, our maintenance of certification program consists of four parts. The first is professional standing. So in each 10-year cycle, you need to hold an unrestricted state medical license and have full hospital admitting and surgical privileges. You need to complete continuing medical education. That's 240 category one credits of which 40 have to be self-assessment examination credits and do that in every 10-year cycle. Once in every 10-year cycle, you need to complete a knowledge assessment pathway. And we'll talk about one of those tonight, but you have multiple options there. We have computer-based examinations in general orthopedic surgery, and then in each of the subspecialty areas of our field. And you can see those listed here, but we cover all of the subspecialties. So you can take an examination multiple choice based on just questions from the subspecialty that you choose. You can take an oral examination based on your own surgical cases. Or finally, what we'll talk about tonight is you can complete the ABOS web-based longitudinal assessment pathway to satisfy that knowledge assessment. Finally, you need to participate in some practice improvement. And the way we do that in orthopedic surgery is through a peer review process once every 10 years and also submitting a case list once every 10 years. That's the whole picture of maintenance of certification. And I would uh, submit to you that that's a pretty good way to look at an orthopedic surgeon. If you ask someone, what do you think of that orthopedic surgeon? You would wanna know that they have a state medical license, it's unrestricted, that they have hospital admitting and surgical privileges. They're keeping up with their continuing medical education they undergo some type of knowledge assessment once every 10 years, and they're participating in practice improvement. So we really feel like this is a pretty good way to look at orthopedic surgeons and to hopefully be sure they're maintaining their competence. So let's talk about the ABOS WLA pathway. That's what we're here for tonight. We'll talk about the eligibility requirements, the mechanics of the program, what you need to do to successfully complete the program, then we'll briefly touch on the fee structure, important dates, and any next steps. And of course, finally, we'll answer your questions. So eligibility, I would say first, if you are wondering about your eligibility, you can go to abos.org. And if you look under the ABOS WLA page, there is a certification expiration year. And if you look at your certification expiration year, that will contain all the specific requirements. To summarize those here, basically, if you have an expiration date of 2027 and earlier, you must have already started in the program. If you have an expiration date of 2028, you must start in 2022 unless you've already started. If your expiration date is 2029 to 2031, we would strongly recommend that you start in 2022 if you haven't already started. Finally, if you have an expiration date of 2032 or 2033, you are in that period where you have uh, recertified, satisfied the requirements of maintenance or certification, but you haven't yet entered your next 10 year cycle. So you may begin in the years listed here, but you don't start just yet. Individuals who hold a subspecialty certificate in either surgery of the hand, 
or orthopedic sports medicine or both, they can recertify both their general and their subspecialty certificates with the ABOSWLA pathway. You need to choose at least five knowledge sources in your subspecialty area during each year of your participation in the program. If you are non-operative or non-practicing, you may participate in the ABOSWLA pathway if you meet the other requirements. I would encourage you to contact your certification specialist for additional information about entering this pathway. There is no requirement to participate in this pathway as part of your ABOS maintenance or certification program. This is a knowledge assessment pathway. So you can participate in a computer-based subspecialty, uh, what we call practice profile examination or a general orthopedic computer-based examination or the oral recertification examination. Those pathways are still available. This is just an additional knowledge assessment pathway. So by way of overview, on January 11th, 2022, that's today, 217 knowledge sources have been posted to your ABOS WLA portal if you're eligible for the program at www.abos.org. When you get to there, you need to log in with your unique username and password, and that will take you to your Diplomate dashboard. At that point, you can get to the ABOS, <clears throat> excuse me, WLA uh, portal, and you can view those knowledge sources. We have 115 new knowledge sources for this year, plus 102 knowledge sources that we have carried over from 2020 and 2021. I would encourage you to look at our new category of knowledge sources. We have in the past had knowledge sources categorized by the particular subspecialty area of orthopedic surgery. And we have added an additional category called general principles. And those are sources that will be of interest to all orthopedic surgeons and cover a variety of areas. You will then, after you view those 217 knowledge sources, choose 15 of those for in-depth study. And knowledge sources are generally journal articles but they can also be practice guidelines or utilization criteria. So I would encourage you to peruse all of those knowledge sources and you can click on them and get to a PDF of each of those knowledge sources and then choose your 15 and start to study those in depth between now and April 5th. On April 5th, the window will open for you to answer 30 multiple choice questions based on those 15 knowledge sources. You'll get two questions from each of those 15 chosen knowledge sources. You will know in advance wh from which knowledge source each question will come. So when you're on the platform, it will tell you, this is the knowledge source. You're about to see two questions from that knowledge source. Are you ready? And when you click, you'll get the first question. After you answer that, it will ask you if you want to see the second question, and you can then answer that question. You get three minutes to answer each question. You can answer as many questions in each sitting as desired. And the questions uh, are an open book format, but you do have to answer within the three minutes. There's a timer on, on each page. That window assessment window is what we call that. That window is open from April 5th to May 24th. And again, you can answer questions. 
at a time and location that works for you, that's convenient for you. How do you complete the program? Well, you, you achieve five quality years by the end of the eighth year in your 10-year cycle. So what is a quality year? A quality year is answering correctly 24 of those 30 questions. So you choose the 15 knowledge sources, you're delivered the 30 questions, you answer those, and you need to correctly answer at least 24 out of 30. I would tell you that in 2021, more than 99% of our participants earned a quality year. The basic idea is for you to choose the 15 knowledge sources, become familiar with those and study those between now and the time that that window opens in April and then answer those questions. What are the fees for this program? The fees are in line from what they are with our other ABOS MOC assessment pathways. So they are about the same as if you took a computer-based examination, a little bit less uh, than if you chose an oral examination. They're in line with those. It's $260 per year of ABOS WLA participation. If you have subspecialty certification, it's $300 per year. And that's due yearly before you answer your first question. So when you get ready to answer your questions, when that window opens, you then go, you pay the assessment fee, and then you'll be delivered the questions. Separate from that is your ABOS MOC application fee. You must apply for your ABOS MOC program at some point in your 10-year cycle, and we'll talk about that in a couple minutes, but that fee is $1,075. Now, if you decide you want to try the ABOS WLA pathway and you do one, two, or several years and pay those fees and then decide you'd rather do a computer-based examination or an oral examination, we have instituted a maximum fee for each 10-year cycle. So we will take those fees that you pay into account and be sure that you don't go over our maximum fee. Our, our goal is really to give you another way to satisfy that knowledge assessment portion of MOC that may be more conducive to you staying up with uh, journal articles and things that are of interest to you as opposed to taking a multiple choice examination or oral examination. This is uh, uh, for us really a revenue neutral and we wanna keep that neutral for our diplomates as well. So important dates. Today is an important date. Today, January 11, 2022, the knowledge source has been posted and you can begin to review those and consider selecting 15 for further study. On April 5th, that's the next important date, at 10 a.m., the assessment window will open. At that time, you finalize your 15 knowledge sources, you pay the assessment fee, and you may begin answering questions. Keep in mind that the assessment window closes May 24, 2022 at 5 p.m. These are both Eastern times. All 30 questions must be answered by that deadline. Any of the 30 questions that you don't answer before that deadline will be scored as incorrect. And remember, you want to get 24 out of 30 correct to achieve a quality year. So just some helpful hints that I think are important to remember. Please use a laptop or a desktop when you're viewing the knowledge sources and answering the questions. 
The platform does not work well on a mobile device. And if you use a laptop or a desktop, you should, by clicking on each of those knowledge sources, be able to get to a PDF of that knowledge source. We encourage you to use Chrome Internet, a Chrome Internet browser. Uh, Google Chrome is the best way to view the knowledge sources. There are some knowledge sources that only show up well in Google Chrome. When you go to the ABOS WLA platform, there's a tutorial video. I would encourage you to watch that video. That will take you through the mechanics of the program. I would also encourage you to view the sample questions. You'll view the sample questions and that will let you know how the platform tells you which knowledge source uh, the questions will come from and will show you how the timer looks, how you'll answer the questions and move through questions. To be eligible to participate in the ABS WLA pathway, we talked about the years of your expiration. That's important. You do not need to have earned a certain number of credits towards the 10-year MOC requirement to participate. Now, the CME credits in your 10-year cycle, you need to earn half of those by year three. That's 120 overall and 20 self-assessment credits by year three of your 10-year cycle. And then on our website, you will be still listed as participating in MOC. If you don't earn those by that third year, you'll be listed as not participating. But as soon as you do earn those, you'll go back to participating. So you need to earn 120 CME credits by year three. And then at the time of your application, your MOC application, which is separate from the ABOS WLA program, you need to have had earned the full 240 uh, uh, total CME and 40 of those have to be self-assessment credits. But where you are in that CME learning uh, timeline does not influence whether you can participate in the ABOS WLA pathway or not. So what are the next steps? Our primary source of communication is by email. We absolutely need your correct email address entered at www.abos.org. Please let us know if your email changes. It's very important to keep that up to date. We spend a lot of time tailoring our communication. So at the ABOS, we do not send blanket emails out to large numbers of diplomates. When we send out an email and you get an email from the ABOS, that pertains specifically to you. If it's talking about a deadline, talking about an application or something that you need to do, you need to pay attention to that. So you need to keep your email up to date. Again, you can start reviewing the knowledge sources. You cannot select the same knowledge sources you selected last year. So you will see that those actually, you're unable to select those on the platform. Separate from the ABOS WLA pathway, you need to submit an application and a case list as part of your ABOS MOC program. This does not alleviate you of that requirement of submitting an application and a case list by year nine of your 10-year cycle. You can submit that as early as year four of your 10-year cycle, and you can submit your application and case list prior to completing the ABOS WLA pathway. You will not be moved to the next 10-year cycle until you complete one of the knowledge assessment pathways, but that application and case list needs to be submitted by year nine. 
if you choose a computer-based examination or an oral examination, it does need to be completed before you move over to one of those pathways. These are our ABOS certification specialists. You are assigned to an ABOS certification specialist based on the first letter of your last name. They're listed here with the letters of the alphabet that they cover. These individuals are available at this phone number and at these emails to assist you in getting through this program. Please don't hesitate to call us or email us if you have any questions. Again, I wanna remind you for your certification specialist and for, for us at the ABOS, please keep your email up to date. And when you get an email from the ABOS, please check the email. Don't be like the Tyrannosaurus Rex and let the deadline for ABOS MOC sail away and leave you stranded. Please keep your email up to date. And again, we spend a lot of time, we are really careful about sending emails that only pertain specifically to you. So if you see an email from the ABOS, please look at it. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to call us. Uh, again, these are our websites here. I'd like to point your attention to www.mycertifiedorthopedicsurgeon.org. That is the patient-facing website. Please feel free to give that to your patients. That explains to your patient what you have gone through to get to board certification status. And, it, and there are videos there from patients. There are videos that explain how the process works so your patients can understand that. You can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Instagram. In addition to those, we have a podcast that you can find at anchor FM forward slash ABOS or wherever uh, you uh, look for your podcast. And we have a whole series of podcasts and talk about how to prepare for various parts uh, of our uh, MOC program, also our board certification program. So I'd really encourage you to go there uh, and, and look at and listen to some of those podcasts. I'd like to thank you for your attention. Uh, we appreciate your attention, and we can start by uh, answering questions. Again, if you raise your hand in Zoom, we'll be able to do that. Uh, I um, believe that this uh, webinar will then be posted uh, on our website, on YouTube, and an audio version uh, where you can find our podcast, and that will uh, allow those individuals who haven't had a chance to view the whole thing or missed it to... Uh, be able to view that. So uh, let us go to the people who have their hands raised. Uh, David, do you want to go ahead and call on them? Yeah, would you um, stop sharing your screen if you don't mind? Yes. There you go. So we'll start, start with uh, Dr. Light, I guess it is. Yeah. Uh, hi, thank you for this uh, excellent webinar. I had a question uh for the orthopedic surgeons who are no longer seeing patients and are semi-retired uh what's the process for the uh case list uh portion of the uh recertification uh absolutely that that's a good question so uh we have two categories there non-operative uh so that's maybe someone who's seeing patients uh, or participating in patient care, but not uh, in a, a surgical practice. 
And so what I would say that that person submits a non-operative case list and our certification specialist can guide uh, uh, you through that. If you are non-practicing either in an administrative role or, or uh, otherwise, uh, then uh, we collect letters of recommendation and there's not a case list, but that application uh, process is still the same. And our certification specialists can guide you through that. Uh, thank you for that. Now we'll go with uh, Dr. Ani. Yes, uh, thank you for the presentation. To my understanding, Previously, you did not have a subspecialty certification in spine. And now I see in the slides that you can have subspecialty in spine. Is that correct? Uh, no, it's not a subspecialty certification in spine. What those are are practice profiled examinations in those subspecialty areas. So you can uh, go through the recertification process. And if you'd like to uh, take an examination uh, for the knowledge assessment pathway that is based only on questions from your subspecialty area. Uh, you can do that through those practice profile examinations. We only offer subspecialty certification in surgery of the hand and orthopedic sports medicine. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Oh, sir. You should see a, a note that says to unmute yourself. Sorry, if you are retired and you want to maintain your certification, can you continue to take the web-based longitudinal assessment until your certificate expires, or does it have to be five consecutive positive years? So that would depend on the your certification end date. Uh, it um, you need five quality years before year eight uh, of your ten year cycle. So it depends on your the end date of your certification. I don't know if that answered your question or not. No, it doesn't. Why would it depend on your end date? If you're retired, why you not be given those last two years to complete your five years of positive results? Because going forward, people are allowed to have a bad year, so to speak, and yet continue to take it if they fall within a time window. So the reason, the reason to, to complete this program by year eight is that we want to be sure that those individuals still have two opportunities to enter another knowledge assessment pathway. So we want to be sure that if you're not successful in the ABOSWLA pathway, that you'll have two opportunities to uh, take a computer-based recertification examination or an oral examination prior to the end of your 10-year cycle. That's the reason to complete by year eight. I understand that. That works well if you're active, but if you're not active, that doesn't seem to make sense. You still should be able to use those two additional years since you're not practicing to complete the web-based assessment. 
But the idea is that if you're not successful and you don't get to five quality years, you still are the the next step is a computer based recertification examination or an oral examination. I understand. I I'm not sure if, if you're not. I understand that, but yeah. If you if you start taking the test before that end date, you're allowed to have a one bad year and still be actively involved in the web-based cycle. Why should you get penalized if you're within two years of the end date? Where if you started a bit earlier, you would have that extra year if you needed it. Uh, sure, I, Matt, I think I understand the question. Uh, so when we initiated the program in 2019, we uh, the program is designed for people who are starting in year one. Uh, understanding that the people in 2019, we only had 10% of our diplomates in year one. And we wanted to offer the program for everyone, uh, no matter where they were in their cycle. Now, granted that uh, um, disadvantaged people who were closer to the end of their cycle because they had to get uh, five consecutive quality years. Um, however, we thought with um, uh, uh, a rate of uh, people attaining quality years of over 99% that that uh, was not too high a hurdle. So we wanted to offer it to everybody. Certainly it, it is easier if you're starting in year one, you need to get five quality years out of eight. However, um, we, we didn't want to um, extend people's certificates too long. And so you, if you were past a certain point, you had to get five consecutive years. I hope that I'm not sure. I hope that answers your question. It does indeed, but you may want to think that going forward because of what the, the thing I just pointed out to you about people retiring and want to move forward. You may want to think about making a tweak to that going forward. Uh -huh. Sure. Thank you. Yes, um, we've tried to we've tried to um, review the program uh, in depth after each um, administration, and so we will certainly. Um, keep that in mind uh, and look at the people who are involved in that sort of thing. So thank you. Thank you. And the next person I'm going to butcher his name, Dr. Chris Nikiz. Sorry about that. That's yeah, all good. Yeah, appreciate it, Tom. Chris Nikiz, thanks. Um, yeah, I, it's, I think it, I think you sort of answered it with the last question, but I started this web-based uh, when it first became available, and it's been terrific. My certificate's good Thanks. through 20. Yeah, it's great. Appreciate what you're doing. Um, my certificate's good through 23. So I've done three years. I got two more to go. And to your point, um, does the timeline work? That, I mean, it, it's straightforward. I don't anticipate this to be an issue because it's really a great format. But in the whatever event, if something happens in my fifth year of the WBLA, if for whatever reason I have a, for whatever reason, if I can't complete it, there's still time to do the other standard test. Is that accurate? Yes. So you're, you said your certificate expires in 23? Yes. So we would, uh, um, I agree with you. I think the chances would be small, but we would extend your certificate to allow you uh, two chances at the computer-based or the oral examination if that Thank were you. necessary. Good. Excellent. Thank you. No problem. Next up, Dr. Barak. Yeah, hi, how are you? Thank you for doing this. This is really wonderful. 
Uh, I think on the same line, I, I think I I think I'm finished up in 2025. So I have to have five out of five. And I think that the board should consider since we should maybe grandfather and that we have the ability if we want to take these those last two years to try to get it. And I've successfully accomplished the ones I needed. But if I miss one, I'm forced into the other panels. And I think that it's not unreasonable to consider, you know, for those people who fell into this one slot where you don't have five out of 10 years, you have five out of five years that we should have an option uh, to at least have the option to complete the five in, until the boards come. Uh, sure, I understand. And, and there's certainly, you know, as we start, as we started the program, we considered uh, sort of all of those options. And, you know, should we just allow people to start who are in year one, or just allow people to start who are in year two, or what, when should we make that call? And what we wanted to do was try to give everybody a chance to participate. But in, in point of fact, some people do need to um, obtain five consecutive years. And there are the other pathways that are still there. Uh, so that, that was the decision was, that was made. And again, we look at the numbers each year and look at the numbers of people in those categories and uh, um, reevaluate the program. So we will certainly be doing that. Um, I th I'd appreciate it if you can reevaluate because I can hear even other people on the panel who are listening were in similar situations. And you know, some just because of the yearing, instead of you just grandfathering us in like some other specialties, we're doing what we have to do, but if we have one bad year, we have to go down these other other pathways. Yes, I understand. Hey. Yes, and like I said, we we have certainly considered that um, year over year. So we will uh, we'll certainly look at those numbers and do that again this year. Very good. Thank you very much. Dr. Barba. Yes, thanks, uh, Dr. Martin. I appreciate this. Um, quick question. Um, initially in my practice, I did uh, trauma and spine, and now my practice has evolved into probably about 99% spine. Now for the case, um, the 75 cases, does it matter what type of cases that you're doing? If you're doing general orthopedic, um, you know, I'm going to be, uh, I think general orthopedics is, I don't have a spine or orthopedic um, um, you know, recertification, it's under general orthopedics. So the cases that we're doing, the distribution of cases, um, much different from when I first was board certified to now, does that make a difference? So, uh, no, the case list is 75 consecutive cases, uh, starting from January one in, in the year that you were applying. Um, that's, that's a separate entity. Those would come into play if you chose an oral examination we would choose the cases to examine you on based on based on that case list. They would come from that case list. Once you submit the case list and that we have an evaluation process uh, for the case list and we look at them with a, a, an algorithm uh, to be sure they're uh, not outliers and those types of things. But once that's approved, then your choice of a knowledge assessment uh, pathway is independent of that. So if you decide to even though you don't have spine cases there, you still want to take a, a spine practice profiled examination, computer-based examination, you can do that, or a general examination, uh, depending on what the cases are. You can choose whatever um, um, path, knowledge assessment pathway you would like, or the longitudinal assessment. And there's no uh, requirement, uh, unless you hold a subspecialty certificate in sports medicine, 
or uh, surgery of the hand, there's no requirement for what particular knowledge sources you choose. I hope that answers your question. I'm not sure I got there. Yeah, no, it, it does. I just, but the distribution of, of cases, I'm not doing much general anymore. It's mainly spine and I'm doing the WLA um, you know, platform. I just wasn't sure if they wanted you to have more, you know, are they looking for more well-rounded cases that you're not just doing all spine, you're not just doing all, you know, scoliosis, because that's kind of how my practice has evolved and doing more, you know, one and two level fusion scoliosis. Are they looking at, you know, types of surgeries that you're doing? Um, you know, like joint colleagues are doing, you know, total hips and total knees. That's all they do. And in my practice, I'm doing, you know, scoliosis and one and two level fusions. I mean, are they looking at the, what types of cases you're doing or are they looking at more of the complications when they're going to be assessing you? So the, the right, the case list, it's not, uh, um, it's not based on the types of cases that you do. Uh, we, uh, um, like I said, we have a computer algorithm that looks over the case list. So it looks at um, uh, readmission rates, the things that are on the case list, readmission rates, complication rates. Um, actually, I would say that um, we um, look more closely at someone who reports no complications than, than you know, someone who reports a, a somewhat higher level of complications. I and mean, obviously that's a self-reported statistic that we evaluate on a case by case and individual by individual basis. But then the algorithm looks at um, outlier type cases. Uh, um, if you know you do spine, um, uh, it would be uh, you know fusions in young patients, uh, you know certain types of cases in older patients. Uh, those types of things are what the algorithm looks at. It's a pretty it's a pretty wide net. So that, that's how the case list is evaluated, but that does, that does not affect the knowledge assessment pathway. That's evaluated by our credentials committee. Okay, thank you, that answers it. Thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Kanlik, Kanlik. Hello. Good evening. Uh, thank, good evening, thank you for this opportunity. I'm just wondering what's a timeline regarding review of the cases. I did submit everything in December and uh, I was told I submitted everything what is needed. Now, when could I expect some action on it? What, what do I need to expect to do? So the applications and case lists that were turned in uh, uh, and finalized in 2021 uh, are currently uh, being reviewed and the, uh, our credentials committee will meet in early April and hopefully by the end of April, uh, you should hear something about that application and case list. Okay, thank you. <laughs> no problem. Uh, Dr. Gall Ambor. Yes, hi. Uh, again, thank you very much. It was very informative. My certificate expires in uh, December uh, 2022, and I have three uh, consecutive uh, uh, years. My understanding is that uh, once I pass this year, there will be an extension automatically granted. Uh, how does that work? How does that work for somebody whose uh, certificate expires uh, in 2022? 
Uh, sure. So the, the critical thing would be for you to uh, participate in uh, 2022. And um, hopefully uh, you would uh, earn a quality year, but either way, at the end of 2022, uh, when your, your certificate would uh, otherwise expire, we will extend that for one year. That will happen in December of 2022. We will roll, the, roll those over and extend those certificates. Uh, and then that would allow you to either complete the uh, ABOS WLA pathway or uh, move into one of the other knowledge assessment pathways, either computer-based examination or oral examination. Very good, thank you very much. Dr. Halpern. Hello, hi, I'm a spine surgeon and I'm uh, in my third year. I've, I've done three years of the WA and, and I'm looking under the spine uh, knowledge sources. And because I've been taking this three years, uh, most of them are grayed out. So I have only a few choices left, which means that I have to start dipping into other fields in orthopedics, which I'm not familiar with. Um, why why aren't you updating the spine uh, knowledge sources? Why aren't you adding more? Or in other words, why aren't you replacing the ones that we've used in the past? Uh, sure, there should be 10 new knowledge sources in each category. So there should be 10 new spine knowledge sources. Uh, there's one required knowledge source. Uh, that's in the area of bone health this year. And then, uh, so that gets you to 11. And I would, if you look closely at the, uh, all the other categories, including the new general principles category, I, I would uh, um, challenge you to find something that applies to your practice or that is of interest to you. Uh, there are, you know, again, 217, although if you've participated uh, in each of the last two years, there are gonna be, uh, you know, 30 of those uh, perhaps um, that are not available, but um, that was our attempt to get people to branch out a little bit. And um, uh, in response to um, uh, people asking us about some other uh, types of categories, uh, leadership diversity, uh, some general orthopedic categories, we added the general principles category. So um, hopefully you'll be able to find uh, if, and you may not um, find interest in the 10, um, uh, you know, the 10 new spine, if you've used up the 20 uh, or the, you know, 10 of the two category from the last two years, the remaining 10 will um, have already been used. But, uh, you know, I would encourage you to look in the, um, in the shoulder category and in the um, adult reconstructed category. There are some of those that um, pertain to in the adult reconstruction category to the lumbosacral spine and to the cervical spine in the, in the shoulder category, but also the general principles and then in general orthopedics. Okay, thank you. Sure. I do not see anyone else with a hand raised. Anyone else have any questions for Dr. Martin? Any other questions? I would just uh, take this opportunity uh, while we're in between to thank both David Elstein and Chris and Kava have put in an incredible amount of time on this program to really be sure that the knowledge sources uh, went smoothly, that the 
the platform uh, works smoothly and that we've uh, uh, communicated uh, all of these things to you effectively. So uh, I would just take this opportunity to thank them for their contributions. And it does look like we have one more question. Yep, uh, Dr. Jadhav, I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Yes. Um, thank you, this was a very good presentation. I, I'm due in, uh, to take the recertification in 2027. 20, uh, uh, if I, and I've already done the three quality years, if I finish my five quality years and I want to do the exam sooner, do I get the extension from 27 to 37 or is it just 10 years from whenever I take the finish the pathway? So uh, a couple things in there. You said um, if you complete the program five quality years, um, would, you, would not, you would not then have to take an examination. This is the knowledge pathway. This is the this is the that satisfies the part three, which is a knowledge assessment. So if you get the five quality years, that satisfies your knowledge assessment requirement. Then what you would need to do is submit an application in a case list uh, prior to year nine and year before year nine. And and then if you are you said, I believe your certificate expires in 27. Correct. So. Once you completed the WLA pathway and also uh, submitted an application uh, and a case list, and that includes the CME and those other uh, things that we talked about, then you would move to 2037. But can, do I have to wait till year nine to submit the case list if I already complete the requirements of the CME or? No, you can submit an application and case list as early as year four. Uh, and then I get the extension to 2037, or will it be just 10 uh, years from when I submit? No, then it would move. If that application and case list were approved and you completed the knowledge assessment pathway, the five quality years, if you stay with the WLA, then you would be moved to 2037. So I can basically do the recertification much earlier, you know, like say 2024 or 25 and still get extension to 2037. Correct. All right, thank you. No problem, thank you. Next up, uh, Galaxy S10. So if someone uh, raised their hand. Is on mute. Yeah, you'll see a sign that says unmute yourself. We will come back to this person later. Okay. And Dr. Uhorchak. Yes, thank you. Uh, thanks, Dave. Uh, Dr. Martin, it was a good uh, presentation. Um, <clears throat> I was the other day I looked through and I just went back and looked through the ABOS site. And it was a question on a comment you made about case reviews and the completion because I submitted all the um, <clears throat> the application, my case list. And, you know, I, a bunch of my friends uh, around here have also were doing the same thing. And I got all the emails to send back all the peer reviews on all of them. And they told me they got peer reviews and stuff. 
and the point, the question is, when I look at the, um, your little checklist on the front, I have a, you know, positive check that I have a, um, my license, a green check that I've got my, um, 240 CME and all that stuff. And the bottom is also green saying that that's all complete, but you seem to imply that they don't do the case list review till April. So I was just curious why that appears completed versus uh, maybe pending or something. Does that make so, sense? Yeah, David and Kristen can help me, but I believe that, that it looks, um, the completed means that it's been submitted and that we're looking at it. Is that correct? Yeah, we're actually working to make that a little bit more clear. We've heard that from a couple of people. So we're working with our IT staff to make it extra clear about what you've done and what you need to do. Okay, thank you. Yes, oh, thanks for the input. We appreciate it. We're, yes, we're trying to, we'll make it as clear as we can. Let us know. Dr. Hutter. Yes, thank you. I've uh, done this three years now because my certificate was actually expired in 2020. And since I'm not doing surgery anymore, I find this better than having to take a general exam. And I found the process has improved, especially with the fact that you now tell us which knowledge source it's going to come from. And we get both questions from that um, article and then we're done with that article. But would it be possible also to let us pick the article that we're going to get the questions from so we could study five articles in depth, know that we're good with that, take our questions. And if we wanna work a little bit harder on some of the other questions. So I don't see why we couldn't pick the articles going that we're gonna select from just to take a little bit of the stress out of this for us. Uh, so you can pick the 15 articles. You may pick the, pick the order that you receive the questions for each. Exactly, can we say, yeah. all right, I wanna answer these, this uh, article now, and then the next article. I don't see that wouldn't jeopardize the um, quality of it, but it would take a lot of stress off of it for some of us. Uh, so yeah, that um, it, it's just a little bit more complicated for the platform. Uh, that's it, it, to to be able to choose that uh, complicates the platform somewhat. But what I would tell you is. Um, when it tells you the questions are coming from a certain article, you don't have to start those questions until you're ready. No, so I understand that. You can, in fact, you know, sign on, see which questions, uh, which article the questions are coming from, and then sign off and come back and answer the questions when you're ready on that particular knowledge source. So, um, yeah, I understand. It just, um, it was a, a that was the decision that we made was just to let people know they did come randomly. If you started in 19. Yeah, that was uh, horrible. That did, year. Yes. They came randomly that year. So uh, we, we got that feedback. And so um, I'll certainly take that feedback back to uh, our, our committee and our group. I appreciate it. anything to take the stress out would be helpful. Certainly. So I don't see any more hands for now, I guess. Up. Oh. Just one quick question. Is, and I, I've taken this test, but I didn't notice this. Does it list the order that we will see the 15 question, the articles in or it's randomly done still? 
it yeah yeah no it, it's they come randomly but we tell you which article is coming next right so the, well. the question is whether or not and maybe it wouldn't be such a difficult thing if they could just say this is the order of your 15 articles so that might alleviate the question the previous questioner had mm -hmm. that uh yeah okay we can certainly look at that yes thank you thank you Back to the uh, Galaxy S10. Yes. Hopefully unmute and we'll try and answer the question. You should see it on your screen about a mute. Are we able to unmute or not able to unmute? No. But if you can't talk, you know, tomorrow morning you could email or contact, call the office up. We'll be happy to help you. Yes. Um, and we can go to Dr. Shapiro. Yep. Dr. Shapiro, if you'd see on your screen, this should be about unmuting yourself. I know sometimes people press the, the raise the hand by accident too. It might be in this case. Dr. Shapiro again. Okay, maybe we can try Galaxy S10. Now you're unmuted. Oh, there you go. Hello? Hello. I have a question. Yes. You hear me? I'm Dr. Yes. Brookie. Yes, we can hear you. Okay, with the situation now of COVID going on, especially affecting my area, the amount of the patients that you are requesting that at least minimum be 35, if it's not uh, able to do those 35 cases because of hospitals not taking elective cases or I do not cover any trauma or things like that, I just do um, elective cases and patients do not want to have any surgeries, they are afraid to go to the hospitals, what's going to be a situation such as mine that if I pass the five consecutive year and I do not have the 35 case to submit for that period of time. So what I would recommend and is- it is important, excuse me. And also it is important for me to remain board certified as operative physician because I do a lot of med legal and it is very important for my prestige to be board certified operative as well. Uh, so, uh, yes, so it would be um, critical for you to contact your certification specialist and they can help you. We extend the case list actually uh, to the previous year till we get to 35. And then we have a case list that we can evaluate uh, at that point. But the problem is that we are now in year 2022 and it was worse even in 2021 as far as the <laughs> surgeries and 
uh, you know, because I was told that you can go back about three months. Is it possible because of this COVID situation going on to go further down? Yes, you go back you get- until you get to 35. Um, but what we have to do is look at the dates of your individual situation. And so uh, that we can go all the way back to 2020, 2020 as well? Well, if you contact your certification specialist, we can go through that, those specific dates with you. But yes, we get to a, a, a case list that has 35 cases. That's correct. Oh, okay. So that's very uh, calming, calming situation for us. I appreciate great webinar. I appreciate that. Thank you. No problem. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. March. Sure. Let's try Dr. Shapiro again. Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Oh, great. Sorry about that. Um, just a quick question for the subspecialty um, certification in hand and sports. You require five from those categories, five five articles from those categories. Um, can you do more in those categories as well? Uh, sure. If you haven't used those articles before or those knowledge sources before, I should say sure. Okay. Thank you. No problem. Yes. So, Dr. Moshefar? Uh, yes. Can you hear me, please? Yes. Great, thank you, great webinar. Um, Dr. Martin, my question is, if you have uh, done uh, your web-based uh, learning, and let's say you're in year three of five, uh, I understand that there's a high pass rate, but in the unlikely event, one does not pass one of the years, and you're in that last five year of the cycle, and you fail to meet five years consecutively, uh, what are the remedies to that situation? Uh, so if I understand the question, you're, uh, if you're unsuccessful at uh, obtaining five quality years and you're towards the end of your 10-year cycle, um, you would uh, move into one of the other knowledge assessment pathways. So that would either be a computer-based examination or an oral examination. Okay, so basically you revert to the historic traditional methods. Yes, that's correct. Thank you. No problem. Dr. Urenke, sorry. Yes, hi, Dr. Martin. Thank you guys for doing this. Uh, as a, some guy who just recently got my certification having done this, um, the window for this happens only once a year, is that correct? Yes. Okay, thank you. No problem. Uh, Dr. Jadhav? Um, yeah, I've got two questions. The simple one is um, the first one. Uh, I hear, heard a lot of time consecutive, the word, but those five quality years don't have to be consecutive. That's correct? Uh, that's correct for uh, individuals who have time remaining up until they get to year eight. That's correct. Um, okay. Uh, yes. Did you have another question? I forgot it. I'll come back. Come oh. back to you. Okay. Sorry. 
Dr. Uh, Riger, Rieger. Hi, thank you, Dr. Martin. Great presentation. I'm just curious, I was just recertified through the old method, so it gives you three years running time. So I'm actually cleared up to, I, I get recertified up in 2031, believe it or not. So if I start the test now, which is the first time, and I do the five years, and I do the 240 CMEs and the 40 with the self-assessments uh, and present the caseload at four years, it sounds like after five years, I can actually apply for recertification. So you would apply, yes, if you completed five consecutive years and you applied, uh, you would do an application and case list. You can do that as early as year four. Uh, if all of that was successful, then you would be recertified for an additional 10 years. From So from 2031, I'd be extended out to 2041 in five years from now? That's correct. Okay, thank you. Great presentation. Thanks, no problem. Uh, Dr. Johnhoff might be back. Yep, yes. Zach. Yes, I'm back. So uh, my question was, um, maybe I'm a little bit confused. So if you have the web-based assessment, uh, you do five years, and after that, in the fifth year, or any time after fifth year, until the year nine, you have to submit a case list of 35 cases? Is that what you said? Uh, you submit um, a, a case list starting on January 1 and uh, continue to September 30th or until you get to 75 cases. Uh, and there's a minimum of 35 and then we make adjustments. But um, basically 75 cases is the, the standard case list. So what happens after submitting the case list? Is the exam based on that or? No, the application and the case list are submitted and we then based on the application, we obtain peer review, we evaluate the case list. And then once those things are approved by the credentials committee, then you um, complete a knowledge assessment pathway and that satisfies the, the requirements for maintenance of certification. So basically, uh, at that point in time, if you've done your required CMEs, then your certification is extended by another 10 years. Yes, you actually have to have the CMEs before you submit the application and case list. So the case list is, uh, there's no exam after the submitting the case list. So what is the case list used for, just to assess? If, so know. the case, yeah, the case list is used to evaluate a person's practice. So we look at the case list, look at the um, we have an algorithm that looks at the case list and compares that to um, uh, norms and other case lists. So how is it evaluated? That's my question. You know what, I mean, can you fail with the case list and what are the criteria for failure? Uh, so based on the cases that are there, that's evaluated by our credentials committee and there are various actions they can take if uh, they have concerns about the case list. Uh, and so, the, like uh, I talked about previously, I mean, it would be, uh, you know, um, certain cases that uh, um, would fall outside uh, what would be considered the norms. Uh, those uh, are then uh, evaluated uh, um, with a little more scrutiny. Uh, we collect, as you know, the complications. Uh, we collect hospital readmissions. And so uh, all of those things are evaluated uh, along with the case list. 
And then that information goes to our credentials committee and they have various actions that they um, have uh, uh, that they can take based on the case list. So what are the criteria that you can fail after submitting the case list and you've successfully completed everything else? So you, would, you wouldn't necessarily fail. Uh, like there are various actions the credentials committee can take uh, such as a deferral uh, to uh, gather more information, uh, a, uh, an oral examination based on those cases, uh, a, a site visit, uh, those are the types of things that the credentials committee could um, decide. It's not a fail, uh, but rather it's um, that can trigger more investigation. Thank you. Sure. Dr. Shapira. Hi, uh, one more question. Um, if you choose to do the written exam or the oral pathway, what is the earliest year in your cycle that you can take that? So those are offered in years eight, nine, and 10 of your, of your cycle. Year five now. That's um, well, well, so yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting there. They're <laughs> offered in year eight, nine, and 10. If you're taking the computer-based examination, uh, uh, then those are now being offered every other year. There's a, uh, if you look on our website, it will explain to you um, which years you can take that. If the application's approved, you could take the oral examination based on the case list that you uh, submit as well. Um, so it could start as early in year five. Stan standard would be years eight, nine, 10. We have allowed people to start early because the um, practice profile examinations are now going to an every other year schedule. And um, that's based on the fact that uh, the numbers of people taking those examinations have gone down. And so to properly evaluate uh, uh, those examinations and set passing standards, we need to give those every other year to increase the numbers somewhat. And so you can start taking those in year five based on the exam that you wanna take. And again, that would be, there's information on our website as to what years those examinations are offered. And then also uh, if you uh, wanna call us, we can explain how that works. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Dr. Moshefar. Yes, hi, thanks again. Uh, just a quick follow-up question or two. Um, the question is, is um, in the unlikely event one does not uh, attain certification either by the web-based learning or uh, the oral or the written exam and uh, they, they basically come to the termination of their current certification. What does the ABOS consider you as board eligible? How long are you board eligible before you sort of uh, choose a different path to get attain certification? Uh, that's the first question. And the second question is on the oral exam path, is that much, is that very much same and similar as to the oral exam we all took when we were initial board sort of board eligibility period two years after uh, from our residency, or is it a is it a different type of an oral examination for examination for a more mature surgeon? Uh, so good questions. The, the, for the first question, you are board eligibility is only for those individuals who are in between passing part one and becoming board certified. So 
an individual is board eligible after they have passed the part one computer-based examination and up until they pass the part two examination. That extends for five years after passing part one. So if someone's board certified and they either lose their certification or their certification expires, they're no longer board eligible. So that person is just not board certified and then would reapply, uh, send in an application, a case list. Would that person who is not now not board certified would, would need to take an oral examination uh, to regain their board certification. They would be in a re-entry pathway. Uh, so that's the, the first question. The second question, uh, wait, remind me what that exactly was again. The second question was in the, in the, if one were to choose the oral examination oh, pathway, right. regardless, they're, in, they're, they're within their certification period, is the oral examination that such an individual will take different or very much same and similar as to when we were board eligible about to become board certified? It, uh, yes, it's a similar oral examination uh, based on, the difference would be it's based on your own cases. So it'd be based on 12 cases chosen from the case list that you submit, uh, but then it's based on the same standard scoring rubric and the exam, depending on when you took the examination, uh, it's, um, you know, all the documents and images are now uploaded electronically uh, and it consists of an evaluation of those 12 cases by four uh, different teams of two examiners each. So eight examiners uh, and, and go over those 12 cases based on the same scoring rubric. And the board no longer offers the opportunity for like an on-site uh, evaluation. I think, I think historically that was an option, correct? Uh, that was uh, an option uh, at the very beginning of recertification. It's very difficult to uh, standardize that, and uh, it's very expensive to do. So that uh, is no longer an option. Uh, we Thank will you. occasionally use a site visit if we need to ask more questions about someone's practice. Thank you. Dr. Kirikovic. Yes, um, I would like to know um, if uh, why kyphoplasty is not included as an operative procedure uh, accepted for the recertification. Re, uh, uh, re uh, there are several reasons for it. First of all, it's uh, it, yes, it's done by other other profiles, but uh, like interventional radiologists, neuroradiologists. But nevertheless, if we are, if we we cannot perform that procedure, we need to get the certification for that procedure outside the uh, outside the you know Amer uh, board of orthopedic surgery. So we cannot go to neurosurgery, and you cannot go into interventional radiology. The other thing is, although, although it is a percutaneous procedure, sometimes it's it's very difficult to put the three point two cannula through the four point five pedicle screw in the thoracic spine. So I don't think it's a procedure that should be not be used as uh, as something, uh, especially for us who are you know doing more and more and more of that, and uh, not not that be accepted as a log. Thank you. Uh, sure, uh, and that's a decision that's uh, made by uh, our board and our credentials committee. And uh, that has, they have made that decision to uh, 
that that would not count as one of the uh, uh, cases that submitted. And uh, that's certainly information that I can bring to them. Uh, but that's a decision that was made uh, at the time and that right now we uh, are require um, on the case list operative cases. And those are generally cases that require an incision. And so uh, those right now are not included, but uh, I can certainly bring that information to our uh, uh, credentials committee. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you know, because uh, if we do SI joint fusion percutaneously, that's included. So it requires, requires incision as well, which is very small. Nevertheless, I mean, uh, yes, uh, they, the, I, I, and I appreciate that you would bring it to the, to the credentialing committee because I think they have to, uh, I think that decision was done maybe uh, not in a good, you know, it's not good for us because we, some, some of us, we, we're doing most, most of it, uh, you know, minimally invasive. So, uh, and there's no way to certification either get credentialing for any hospital unless we are credentials throughout the boards. Thank you, appreciate that. Sure. Dr. Jadhav again. Um, I just want some clarification in the process of um, volunteering to do the exam, the recertification qu quicker, earlier than your uh, expiration date. So I'll just uh, put my situation there. So in 27, my current certification ends. Um, I already got three quality years. So hopefully I'll get the fourth year this year. And from what you explained, I can actually do the, the next year with the fifth quality year. So I can start collecting my cases from next January to September and then to satisfy the requirement for recertification. If I do complete the CMEs also before that. So you, if you expire, what year do you expire again? I'm sorry, did you say 27? 27. 27. 27. Uh, right, so you are currently past year four, so you could collect cases this year and apply at the end of this year or collect cases uh, in any of the following years up until uh, 2026. So what is the process for starting to collect? That I have to send something at the beginning of the year or the uh, before the beginning of the year or or I can just collect now? Uh, if, you, uh, if you will contact your certification specialist, uh, I think if you look on your dashboard, the, those case lists will open up in the next uh, one to two weeks and you'll be able to start submitting cases uh, through your dashboard. But uh, my recommendation would be to contact your uh, certification specialist. So if I collected this year, uh, but I would have just completed four quality years. So, but I'll, I still have to complete the fifth quality year next year, right? That's correct. But you can submit an application in a case list independent of the ABOS WLA program. Uh, and that's any time during the 10 years or just that's for my- from year four, years four through nine. Thank you, got it. Excellent, well, I don't see any more questions, uh, but I certainly appreciate your attention. If you do have questions or, or any questions come up uh, over the ensuing several days as we um, get started with the ABOS WLA platform, don't hesitate to get in touch with us. Uh, either by email or by telephone, and we'll be happy to answer those questions. And 
uh, please uh, stay in touch uh, and keep your email up to date and we will um, certainly send reminders of those important dates. Again, thank you very much for your attention. Thank you to David Elstein and, and Kristen Kaba uh, for their contributions to this program. And we will sign off. Take care and uh, Happy New Year.